Hello and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking. I'm happy to be back here with you guys. And today we have a very special guest, but before we dive right in, I'm gonna go ahead and start off with my usual disclaimer. If you are 18 or under, please consult with your parent or guardian before embarking on this journey that is my podcast, as we may discuss and address some mature adult topics. And with that, let's get started. So today I have a very special guest on here. His name is Fernando. And this particular episode is going to be about race and how racism has affected my guest. Okay, so Fernando, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I really wanna hear from you just a little bit about yourself just to start. Uh, We know your name's Fernando. Can you please tell us your age? your nationality, where you were born, and all that good stuff, please? Okay, Um, my name's Fernando. I was born and raised in New York City, in the Bronx, New York. I'm 41 years old. Uh, I'm a Latino, Puerto Rican, uh, dark skin, and uh, I'm currently living in Miami. Okay, and just to start off with this question, is there a difference with regards to racism in New York versus Miami in your personal experience? Yes, there is, particularly, uh, you know, where I grew up and when I grew up. So uh, growing up as a a small child and then a teenager in the 80s and then in the 90s, um, you know, growing up in New York, it was was very difficult for for minorities, for blacks, for brown skin, for Latino people. Uh, There was a lot of uh, issues with, generally police oppression and just generally uh, the ideology that uh, people of color were dangerous or or that we were um, out to do no good or the general perception that you had to be worried and concerned. Um, and, and that was during that era. A lot of the police officers in the New York City area, um, they were not um, colored people. They were mostly uh, white, um, a lot of uh, Irish and specifically Irish and Italian police officers. So, um, you know, we didn't have people of our own color who, who understood our experiences and, and lived our realities uh, policing us. These were people of, of different uh, ethnic groups that generally shared or, or were the people who promoted, um, for lack of a better term, promoted these negative stereotypes about, of, about people of color. Um, and as regards to Miami, I, I did come here to Miami. I have a, a unique perspective because I lived in my, I live in New York and Miami as a teenager. I came to New York. I came to Miami when I was 16. So I spent half of my teenage years in Miami and I spent half of my teenage years in, in New York. So I, I have a, I was a young man in both places. So I have a unique perspective and unique experience. Um, Miami, there's a lot larger minority um, population. There's a lot more Latino specifically. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that goes for the police force, authority, that goes for everybody. There's just a larger concentration as opposed to New York, which is truly a melting pot with a lot of everything. So uh, the problems were less in Miami. Right. Um, than in New York, but they did happen, and of course there is the uh, the dynamic that uh, in Miami, you know, police officers don't patrol, they don't walk in the streets like New York. So there's a larger police presence, and um, the attitude over there is, is New York's a different lifestyle. 
Uh, although I say that there was issues for me, and I'm speaking as a Latino man, and I, I'm a man of color, of dark color. I'm not an African American, but as far as I'm concerned, it was much worse in New York. Uh, not great in Miami, but uh, you know, I guess it's situational where you live. So those are my experiences. Very important that you know Fernando is stating that these are his personal experiences. This is what he's been through, so he can't speak for anyone but himself. Okay. So don't go out there jumping on Fernando, y'all. He's experiencing this um, from a very internal place. This is what he's expressing, and it has nothing to do with anyone but him. So um, with that, can you tell me a little bit about your parents? Um, are they dark-skinned as well? Well, um, I, I guess... Like you. I guess I would be referred to as a biracial child because... My parents are both, you know, Latinos, they're Hispanic, that's an ethnicity as we know, um, nationality Puerto Rican, but racially, my mother is a black woman, an Afro-Caribbean, an Afro-Puerto Rican, and my dad is very white. He's a European um, Latino, so I mean, you know, they're, my mom's black and my dad's white, so, and me and my sisters, I have two sisters, we are, you know, we're brown-ish, and we run the gambit from in between my mom's color to my dad's color with me being the darkest of the three. Understood. And would you mind sharing with me an experience that you had growing up in New York where you experienced racism for one of the first times in your life that you can remember? Uh, I mean, there's a lot, but... Off um, the top of your head. Uh, you know, <clears throat> there, there was just a time in which... Uh, around 15 or 16 years old I was walking home from a friend's house it was pretty late at night I would I definitely know I was in high school and uh, while I was walking home alone nighttime um, a cop car came behind me uh, pulled up basically and uh, I saw the cop car I, I didn't know what what he was there for but he, he jumped out the car and yelled at me and told me to get over here get over here and uh, I mean there's a lot of uh, curse words that I'm just not going to say but you know it was yeah. F this F you come here come there do that and uh, I turned around and I was a little shocked that I was getting yelled at and cursed at because I really didn't do anything wrong right. and, um, I, and I said what what do you want what did I do and he just basically told me shut up mind your business you just come over here he, he just expressed that it was not my job to question him on why he wanted me to come here it was only my job to do what he said Got it. um and he told me you know come over here which i listened i was grabbed i was thrown against the wall of a building i got searched and i asked so what is what is it what do you want what are you doing and he just kept on telling me shut up shut up I was roughed up, pushed, uh, my head was, my face was slammed to the wall, you know, because I turned around to look at him while he was, I guess, searching me for whatever, and then he didn't like me looking back at him, so he smashed my face against the wall. Um, wow. <clears throat> um, yelling at me and threatening me, emasculating me during the whole process. And I would say something like, I didn't do anything, and his response would be like, I didn't ask you that shut up or you know you want to go to jail you want to go to jail and I said I didn't I saw him I didn't do anything to go to jail he's like it doesn't matter and I said what do you mean I didn't do anything and he just made it seem as um it didn't matter if if I did something wrong or not whereas I went to jail was at his discretion and that was based upon his mood and he made it seem as I can figure something to take you to jail if I felt like it 
and and you know I was and even as he told me when after you know this whole ordeal finished and he told me to to leave and walk away which I did you know and while I was walking away he just continued to hurl insults at me and kind of emasculate me like that's right you effing walk that's right you heard me you better effing walk um, you know, wow. and I, and I turned around. And I said, well, "What the hell is your problem?" He says, "Oh, you want to go to jail? Oh, you funny? You're smart. You you you're tough. You want to be tough? Come over here if you're tough." He kind of grabs his gun. He didn't take out the holster, but he he kind of gestured that he was good and willing to shoot me um, if I did something. And to clarify, was this a light-skinned cop? It, it was a Caucasian man. I don't right. know his ethnicity or anything like that, I, I, but he was a white man. Got it. And he just continued to gesture, you know, if I wanted a problem. And I said, no, I didn't do anything. He's like, I don't give a shit. Just go. Leave. Which I did. If I left that, that altercation feeling, you know, very bad. I felt like... Uh, defeated. I felt defeated. I felt emasculated. I felt like a second-class citizen. I felt like it doesn't matter if I did something wrong or right because that's not important. The opinion of another person barely dictates my my place in society and not necessarily my deeds. Thank you for sharing that, Fernando. That was a very sad story to hear. And um, I do want to point out that based on your age, you must be familiar with the exonerated Central Park Five. Yes. And recently, you did watch the four-part series, When They See Us, which directly talks about that particular situation, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So hearing this story from you now that you've shared, and you not being that much younger than these gentlemen that were convicted of a crime that they did not commit, fair to say that that could have easily been you? Absolutely. Um, at the time that that occurred, I was 11, and of course, the youngest out of the uh, the gentlemen were he's 14, so just a couple of years difference. Um, and and I I I remember that situation uh, when it happened. I was, I was living in New York, and it was a very big deal. And um, and I and of course, I didn't know the story of these individuals at the time. And of course, I was only 11 years old, so. I can only believe what I heard, and just the media portrayal of these gentlemen made me even think that these men were were, were wrong, they were guilty, um, because that's how it was promoted, that these guys did something wrong. Right, that's how the media depicted it. Even though, and the, the irony is that even though at 11 years old, I wasn't fully aware of, uh, you know... Uh, racism in New York but I was somewhere but then again even that even with that knowledge I still wasn't I still didn't I was still wasn't able to see that there's a potential that the media and the cops could be lying um, but yes I do recall the situation I recall those young men and as I grew up and and I became older and experienced more harassment in the teens and of course early 20s I, I can see that when I had interactions with, with law enforcement. I can see how you can be coerced, how they would try to uh, coerce you. Yeah. And and if you're not a person who's particularly strong or particularly educated, or if you're a person who has been taught as a child, which many Latino parents teach them, to fear the police or to stay away from them, it, it's very easy to allow yourself to be manipulated. It's, a, it's very easy to allow yourself to to believe that you have to do what's told of you or else there's a greater punishment. 
And Fernando's not, not necessarily saying, um, just to clarify, because I don't want them to jump on you, um, that you necessarily have to be uneducated in order to be coerced. You can be a very educated person, a very smart person, and still be coerced by law enforcement because you believe that they own you, essentially. You believe that they're right automatically because they are in law enforcement. So it's very easy to buy into that regardless of your education. Yes, I mean, it's correct. Ed- education has nothing to do with uh, ability to be, to be coerced. Um, however, I just know that um, you have a feeling of powerlessness and you grow up with right. this feeling of powerlessness. You have a feeling that you're wrong you have a feeling like you you know no matter what you say or that you don't say you are at the mercy of a person who is playing judge during executioner on you um so you feel like your only option is to appease people who are are tormenting you your tormentors you want to appease the people who are interrogating you because you feel like even though i may have may have not maybe i haven't done something that they're trying to get me to talk about or say or admit to if i don't say what i say the punishment will be the same i at least have to say what they want me to say and pray for mercy right that this ends up you know that that they're kind enough to allow me to to leave or to be free. So it's a feeling that the only option to freedom is to submit. I know you personally, Fernando, and so I want to ask you um, two more questions. One question is, of course, how did you feel watching that series when they see us? What feelings came up for you? Uh, it was pretty emotional. It's pretty emotional. Actually, I have spoke with one of my good friends, uh, who's also a, a Latino man, a dark-skinned Latino man from New York, um, from uh, from New York City. He he lives in Miami too. He's Dominican, um, dark-skinned as well. And I I called him and I told him, you know, I spoke. I saw. I called him and I told him that I saw the uh, the four-part series. And I asked him if he's seen it yet because he's also gone through similar experiences. So I wanted to get his take on it. And he told me, no, he refuses to see it because it's too emotional. It's too close to home. Right. And he didn't want to see it. He says, I'll eventually get around to seeing it. But I, he, he told me I lived that life and I, I agreed. Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to say is that when we, when I saw the, uh, series, and I saw how these guys were treated. It was emotional because this could easily be me. This could easily be my son. You know, my and one of them was. Uh, I will fact check this later, but I believe one of them was Puerto Rican. Yes, the the Raymond Raymond, the child Raymond was was uh, Puerto Rican as well. Um, so this could easily be me. This could easily be my 12 year old son who is almost age of these kids there. Um, you know, just simply going out to have a good time or to hang out with your buddies and doing things that most kids don't think twice about could potentially like destroy you just because of, and, and the color of your skin, the color of your skin. And I was going to say being at the wrong place at the wrong time, but technically these guys weren't even at the wrong place at the wrong time. They weren't even near the scene of the crime. You know, and, and it, it, you feel as a, a person of color who's gone through similar experiences that 
the uh, puzzle the puzzle pieces didn't fit but it was made to fit um just because it was convenient it was just easy they were railroaded they were railroaded it was just very easy to take these poor disenfranchised children and uh, coerce them to turn a lie instead of putting the resources into looking and finding the truth and it's very easy to feel when i may be wrong but this is my personal feeling that if these were white kids or kids that were more affluent and came from wealthier families this probably would have never happened it's because they were poor black and hispanic children and they were easy targets this was a lot of pressure from the media from the law enforcement to solve a highly publicized case and they had a bunch of puzzle pieces that didn't fit they made it fit together and like i said it it makes me scared because that could have been me that could be my son and that can't be anyone and it just reminds you um it's a reminder a subtle reminder that you know people of color will in this country and and in many other countries be seen in some circles as second-class citizens and we need to act accordingly to make sure that we don't fall into the trappings set by people who may seem to undermine us because of our color and as I understand it again, because I know you personally, Fernando, your mother has experienced racism, correct? That's correct. Um, can you tell me about the time that you guys went to the store and they thought she was going to steal? Hmm. Yeah. So my mother, like I said, she's uh, she's very dark. Uh, she can easily be confused for an African-American woman, even though she is Hispanic. I mean, she is black. She's an Afro-Latina. She's an Afro-Latina, so she is black, but she speaks Spanish fluently. And... Uh, one time when I was about eight or nine years old, I don't recall, I went into a store with her as a child, and uh, uh, one of the, it was, the, the store was, was owned by Latinos. Um, one of the men uh, that was sitting on a, in, in New York City, um, <laughs> they can't afford, uh, at least back in the days, they couldn't afford cameras, so the security system would be one guy sitting on top of a ladder watching the store <laughs> from above. Right. So. Those were the days. So a uh, one of the guys that were working behind the cashier yelled to the guy that was the security system, the man who was standing on top of the ladder, and said, you know, in Spanish, you know, make sure you keep your eye on the black girl and that she doesn't steal, the black woman. My my mother was the only person in the whole store of, of any kind of color. It was just me and her. If I recall the story, did he not refer to her by a derogatory name? Yeah, so I edited it for you guys. But, but he called her a B-word, correct? Yes. The he, black B-word? He said yes, exactly. He says, please keep your eye on the black B and make sure she doesn't steal. And um, when my mom heard that, of course, there was only like four people in the whole store. And she was the only uh, African, uh, Afro-Latino black woman there. And she turned around and she addressed him in Spanish and she said, this black bee doesn't need shit from your store. And she walked out. And the men were amazed because they assumed she didn't speak Spanish and they were <sighs> they were embarrassed. But um, she yeah, got him. She, she did get him. She did get him. And there's actually another story if you want me to um, share it. Sure, um, go for it. Quickly. So my mom used to be a, a carrier, a mail carrier and yes. a post office. Yes. She so in New York we the way they they carry mail in New York is that you know you would get dropped off at a street and then you would deliver mail with a bag a big bag of, of mail and manually put mail into the houses into the 
and to the apartment buildings. So it was it was you didn't have a car, you didn't have a truck, you walked. It was a walking job, big pale, big big mailbag, and then you will do that for eight hours, walking for eight hours, and then you get picked up at the end of the day. So in the morning when you do you get your mail, they start putting your mail and they stuff your bag. So my mom was there working, she was new, and she had her bag and they started stuffing her bag full of mail and it got you know really really heavy and my mom said it's like this is a lot of mail it's very very heavy and she said in english and another guy in spanish instructed the guy that was stuffing her bag he says oh make sure he said in spanish to the other man make sure you put extra extra letters in the black b word in her bag so he kept stuffing the bag and stuffing the bag and you know the supervisor was there and watching as he made it very 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 heavy basically just to uh, you know just to make her life difficult they, they 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 gave her a lot more mail than normal and then after that he the supervisor the one that instructed for the additional mail to be put in her bag he asked her in kind of a condescending way in english he says how is that is that good for you and my mom replied in Spanish. He says, no, it's just fine with me. I'm good. She said, the black B word is okay. Wow. Hearing these stories, um, even though I've heard them before, hearing them all the second time makes me feel very emotional. Um, so I can just imagine you having experienced them and ha having you know, heard stories from your mother. Um, Thank you, Fernando, for sharing all of this. I really feel like it's so important that people that have had personal experience with racism get a voice, get a platform. And I really appreciate you sharing. And I just want to say, it all starts with you. The change starts with you. It starts with accepting that there is such a thing as white privilege. Look at your life if you are a light-skinned person. Have you been through this? Have you been through what Fernando is expressing now? I'm pretty sure the answer is no, that you have not experienced it. I have not experienced it. I cannot relate. I am a light-skinned Latina, and the things that have happened to me pale in comparison to this. It's usually just because I'm so fair-skinned, people assume I don't speak Spanish, so they speak to me in English, even though I heard them speaking Spanish to the person right in front of me when I'm buying something at a store, for example. That's the worst I've been through. That's the worst I've experienced. And it comes with recognizing that you're probably never gonna go through what Fernando has experienced if you are a light-skinned person. It comes with acknowledging that, and it comes with advocating for black lives, advocating and just standing together for justice, for peace, for love, it isn't right, it isn't fair. And, you know, I, I love when people say, oh, racism was worse in the past and we've come a long way, but have we really? Have we really come such a long way? Especially, you know, with our president now, and yes, this is my podcast, so I get to talk about how I don't like the president. He is giving everyone a platform. He's making it okay for all the closet racists to come out. Enabling. Correct. Emboldening. Correct. And so 
it starts it starts with you it starts with you white folks it starts with the white folks recognizing no i'm never gonna experience what fernando or other people of color have experienced i'm never gonna go through that that's never gonna be my life so you know what that isn't cool that isn't right and i need to stand for something better i need to do better it starts with that okay so i need y'all to do better and thank you fernando thank you so much for doing this i feel very emotional that you got to share this and that I got to be part of it. And I'm really looking forward to hearing feedback from everyone out there about it. Um, Don't jump on me. These are my feelings. You are entitled and allowed to feel the way that you feel about it. But this is a reality for Fernando. He's not making this up. So play with it, deal with it because this is real life. So thank you, Fernando. Thank you, Louis. All right, over and out. Until next time.